Hello, welcome to the Electric Theory Podcast. My name is Gina Shear. I am your host. The Electric Theory's mission is to empower global pioneers and ignite diversity in thought. We feel innovation and resilience to enhance people's well-being, help people reach their full potential, and foster a culture of lifelong learning and growth. Today's guest is Eric Heidelberg, also known as Chef Air or Eric Aval. He is a multifaceted entrepreneur and health enthusiast with a passion for creativity and a drive for success. With a background in nutrition and bodybuilding, he combines his expertise and his culinary skills as the owner and chef of a successful invasion restaurant. In addition to his culinary pursuit, Eric is a brand builder, known for his ability to create and promote successful businesses. His innovative restaurant menu and unique business strategy showcases his creativity and determination to push boundaries. He is not only a talented chef and brand builder, but also a creative force in various other domains. From art to fashion design, Eric's creativity knows no boundaries. His artistic touch can be seen in his pristine artwork and fashionable clothing creations. Whether he's crafting a delectable dish in the kitchen or designing a stunning piece of art and clothing, Eric consistently pushes the boundaries and things outside the box. He is a true inspiration in all aspects of his life and a consistent reminder to those around him that creativity has the power to transform and inspire. But Eric's passion extends beyond his entrepreneurship. He is a philanthropist at heart always seeking ways to give back to his community and make a positive impact in the world. Since the opening of Invasions in 2020, Eric's restaurant has provided over 80,000 meals to those in need, embodying his mission and vision to make a difference. Truly an inspiration to those around him. Eric lives by the motto, be the change you want to see in the world. 24 hours a day. Organize your day. Work hard. I'm here to talk about success. Hi, guys. Welcome to the Electric Theory Podcast. My name is Gina Shear. I have a very special guest, Eric. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited for this. This is your first podcast. You look a little nervous. First podcast. Never nervous. And you said that you typically turn these down, so I feel very honored that you accepted my invitation or sitting here with me today. Well, I wanted my uh, first podcast to be with, you know, people I care about, friends. Thank you. I appreciate that. Let's kick it off with your story. You have a very unique background that a lot of people don't know about. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw you in some of those days. I mean, I met you at, in some of those, like, peak seasons of your life at that point for the situation that I'm referring to. And now you're an owner of a very successful, unique restaurant. So let's walk through your success, your journey, kick it off. Tell us how you got started and how you have become a business owner of a very successful restaurant today. Okay, let's see. I mean, I feel like I'm on life number four. Uh, (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) um, As far as success, it was just, um, or getting to where I'm at, just doing things always doing something, right? Just yeah. having that hunger, the entrepreneurial spirit in me that I never really realized that I had. Um, what, like, where did that come from? Like, was that out of, like, high school, college? 
Uh, I would say it was, I mean, it started at a young age, and I guess yeah. just that trying to survive mentality. I mean, fourth grade, I started cutting grass, you know. Yeah. I was cutting all the neighbors' grass. I was making, like, $320 profit every week. Okay. Um, then, when the, no disrespect to my Hispanic people, but when the Hispanic people came in and took the job from me, you know, we switched to, like, a mobile car wash. Okay. You know, we'd go to your house. We'd put flyers everywhere. And, and what all, age did this, like, take place at? This was, I mean, starting at fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, then, you know, seventh grade for guys, sports really kind of kick off. So yeah. sports kind of, like, took me out of that. But even in high school, I remember I was working at Kroger, and, you know, they started throwing away all the expired candy and stuff yeah. like that. And they usually take it off the shelf a week or two weeks before. So I used to ask the manager, hey, can I have this? And he's like, yeah. And then the next day, I go to school with a backpack. <laughs> Start and, selling and it? selling all the candy. <laughs> I mean, I used to make my lunch. Did he know that you were selling it? I don't think he cared. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he was a manager at Kroger. So he was just like another respect of your manager at Kroger. But uh, he, yeah, he was just like, yeah, you can have it. Take it. That's awesome. So, I mean, and I always kind of been like healthy. So I used to make my lunch at school. and People used to buy that from me. That's awesome. So I sell you anything. Um and then, let's see, to continue, went to school, nutrition. When I was in school, um, it was this four-star Italian restaurant, or five-star uh, Italian restaurant, where it was this notable chef. And I basically asked him, like, hey, I know who you are. I want to learn. You know, I work for free. He kind of, like, took me under his wing, but I was like, hey, I need to make money, too. So, yeah. so I bartend, and then, but I'll come in early. And work under him, mine for free. So they helped me kind of skip the typical line of the culinary world from like dishwasher to prep, yeah, to line cook to sous chef. So I was basically a sous chef overnight because I offer free labor. Yeah. So that happened. Never thought I was, you know, make. Did you like it at that point in time? Where you're like, this is my calling. This is my dream. I want to be in a kitchen. Um, it was more of. Like, I grew up cooking all the time, mm-hmm. and before this opportunity happened, the college I was at previously, it was just, like, this thing that went around campus, hey, this guy, if you go buy the food, he'll cook it for you. He's going to sit down and eat with you, but he's going <laughs> to cook it for you, so yeah. I would get hit up random times, hey, you know, we want to eat this, and I'm like, all right, we'll go to the grocery store, we'll get all the stuff we need to get, Yeah, and I go to their house, I'll cook, and then we'll sit down and eat them. There you go. I just got new friends. Was new this being cooked in like a college dorm room? Yeah, a uh, college dorm room, college apartment. Okay. You know. So you had a kitchen to work with? Yeah, I had a kitchen. And if I didn't have a kitchen, you know, I just need something to get <laughs> Give me a hot plate and I'll make it work. That's awesome. So um, it was just like, I, even at a young age, if I saw you cook it once, I used to always be like, I can make it better. So I see it, or even if I smell it, I'm like, all right, I know what goes in it. Boom, I remake it. Yeah. So I didn't know or understand it was a passion. Yeah. So then fast forward, end up coming to Dallas. Kind of the same thing happened. This known chef. I was like, hey, I know who you are. I need to make money. So I do want to work front of the house, but I want to learn. Yeah. And they kind of took me under their wing and taught me some stuff and learned from them. And then uh, that's where I kind of got connected to the Holland Park crowd and that's where I started my first company, private chefing and doing that. And during that time, I was kind of 
taken out of like the nutrition world and doing that because I was doing bodybuilding mm-hmm. and bodybuilding kind of like took over my life by accident. I think it does a lot of people that get into yeah. it. Yeah. Just like a, I originally did bodybuilding to prove a point Yeah, because when I was doing nutrition and I was trying to like, all right, I'm working here, the clinic, office, whatever. But I know if I get like three bodybuilders on the side, yeah, that I can make a lot of money you know, extra money on the side before we had these $50 Instagram coaches. So I was like, you know, a couple grand, get like three to five, but nobody would work with me because they're like, you don't understand the mindset. You're going to be telling me to cut carbs and do this and do that, but you don't understand because you've never done bodybuilding. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll I'll do a show right now, you know? (laughs) And that just came out with Men's Physique. Well, I ended up doing a show, ended up doing really good. Some guy on Marvin Tour came to me and was like, hey, you're killing in Cali. You can come out here. And I was like, well, you going to pay for it? And I was like, yeah. So he like paid for the trip, gave me money when I got there. And this is your first show? like uh, That was after my first show, yeah. My first show, I went up there. They are like, you could have won if you knew how to pose, but I just went out there. <laughs> <laughs> so he taught me how to pose. I went to Cali, got third. I was actually in first place, but I was shaking because I was so excited that they moved me to third. <laughs> And then I came back to Texas, and Texas is supposed to be, like, one of the makers of bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And the guy was just like, you know, like, you know, why didn't you do a Texas show? And yeah. Like, you know, you can really make money in bodybuilding if you take it serious. Yeah. So, like, two weeks later, I got flown out to L.A. to do a tanning commercial. People who can't see me, I'm black. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny. Uh, and got paid for it. And I was like, oh, I can probably really make some money. So, I decided to take it serious, and I was like, you know what? Prayed on it, and the universe kind of spoke. God spoke. It was like Mr. Texas was in my hometown on my mom's birthday. That's cool. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do Mr. Texas, and then four weeks later, I'm going to go in Mr. USA. Whatever. I was just saying it. You know? Wow. Words of power, people. Remember that. <laughs> That's yeah. why I believe in affirmations. So I went, won Mr. Texas. Then four weeks later, I turned pro. That's wow. why I got my pro card and then read the dotted line. I didn't read the dotted line. Got caught into all these contracts and bodybuilding took over my life. But it also freed up the next chapter in my life because now I'm getting paid to work out. I have mm-hmm. all this time. So now it's like, all right, what else am I going to do? So that's when I was working for free, yeah. learning how to cook, you know, and still working like the front of the house and stuff like that. And then I was able to start my own company, private chef company. We were doing meals. And everything was kind of just going hand in hand as I was going to the next chapter and I yeah. didn't realize it. Then it came a point, all the contracts and everything for bodybuilding was over. It was like, all right, what do I do? Do I go back to like nutrition, doing this? Do yeah. I go into food? And then it's very important to have people around you who are either like minded or probably more successful than you are. Right. Or, you know, right. Who have, you know, just have wisdom. Yeah. And as I was trying to really make this decision, because it was a point where I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And then one of my friends was like, you don't think it's weird that you have a book full of restaurant concepts? I was like, no. And did you? You actually had a yeah. book full of restaurant I a, concepts? I have a book with 100 plus restaurant concepts. Wow. From, from like, <laughs> from all types of concepts. Yeah. I mean, I, and I did my first concept in fifth grade 
That's when I wow. out my first one. It was called The Three-Headed Monster. But, uh, yeah, so I, he's like, don't you think that's weird? And I was like, no, you know. I thought, <laughs> you know, I just, every time I think of something, I just write it down. Yeah. And then another friend was like, hey, he's actually from church. And he was like, only time you get mad is in the kitchen. And I was like, <laughs> he goes, you never get mad. But let somebody mess up some food in, your, in the kitchen or yeah. do something that you're doing in the kitchen, you'll see a different Eric. And I was like, and I thought back all the times I really got upset. I'm like, it's been in the kitchen. Yeah. And he goes, that's called passion. And yeah. I was like, man, you're right. So I yeah. was like, you know what? He answered the question. And I was like, you know what? Boom. I'm going to do food full time. Mm-hmm. Well, during this time, we're talking, we're talking like a. And what year was this? What period of time? This was uh, 2016, 2017, around that time. And uh, I was like, you know what? Let's do food. I'm going to go food all the way. So I created a plan because at that time, only people that knew I can cook was rich people. And you can't open a business with just rich people. So I was like, you know what? I created a plan. I was like, people need to know who I am. They need to know I can cook. A lot of people didn't know I can cook. They just knew me as this bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, this muscle, this fitness guy, personal trainer, nutrition guy, health food yeah. guy. So I was like, you know what? Let me showcase my skills. So I basically started doing these seven, eight course dinners around town. And originally it was like for free. Mm-hmm. So what I do is have an event and I'll invite people strategically to come to it. And who's going to turn down a dinner from a chef? Hey, eight course dinner for right. free. Right. And when they came, it was just requirements. Hey, post. Tag this page, tag yeah. this, and it was like boom. And then I think it was my third dinner. I ended up meeting this lady named Bree. Bree was like, "You need to work with me, um, and I help you get to where you need to go." And I was like, "Okay." And she owned the um, the house, little house on Ralph Street or something. It's in the okay. town. So I was like, "All right." So we ended up doing the dinner. She goes, "I'll invite the guests. You worry about the food." So I'm like, okay, well, she ended up inviting all these different um, news writers. Okay. People who were like, you know, who wrote articles for like B Magazine, Dallas yeah. Observer, yeah. Culture Magazine, all these people. Remember that, because I'm going to get back to that. So they come, boom, the dinner, success. Well, now I get a knock on the door from a big article. I'm not going to say who they were, but they came, they were like, hey, we want you to do our dinner. You know, we want to host it. We're going to pay for it. But we invite the guests. Yeah. So it was just like, boom. They came. They invited the guests. Well, that helped blow up. Right. So I was like, all right, it's time to take it to the next scale. And then that's where I met my old business partner. And we ended up doing it at their restaurant. It was like 100 people, eight-course dinner. We went from doing like maybe 10 to 15, 20 people at the most to like 100. Wow. And created like these theme series for the whole year, did those dinners, um, I released a cookbook during one of those dinners, uh, showing people like, hey, you can make this food look fancy, fast forward, it was like, all right, we're selling out, it's time, it's time to do a restaurant, and I didn't want to do, my background was in fine dining, I wanted to do something that you can franchise, mm-hmm. a little cool, more laid back, but also made profit. Because people don't realize a lot of restaurants, especially these nice restaurants, yeah. they're not making profit. Yeah. I heard like 60 vines. They've been open for how long? They yeah. just finished in the black last year. 
That's you know? crazy. It's just like you see all this fancy. And it's like, yeah, the fancy is cool, especially in Dallas. You see all these ambiance. You yeah. see all this. But those people are not making money. Yeah. You know? So I wanted to do something where, like, at the invasions, we profit three times the national average. Wow. Even through that's everything awesome. that's going on. Yeah. Um, so um, that's kind of the story that led up to it. You know, it was one of those things where I'm a firm believer you got to create your own success. Yeah. When nobody give you the opportunity, when nobody will, you know, be there for you or like, mm-hmm. hey, here goes some money. You got to go create your own success. And yeah. I feel like a lot of people in this day and age, they, they're just sitting around waiting or they don't want right. to go get it or they play the victim. And it's right. just like, no, you got to go burn your own trail through this world. Yeah. So. Well, I think even outside of that, you have a different mentality than a lot of others, even with your desire to give back. And I truly believe that that's what separates you and why, not why you've had so much success, but a good portion of why you've had so much success. I mean, we've seen in our own business time and time again, for the times that we are giving back, like it comes back tenfold. So for the people that haven't heard this story in the past, you had you you started your restaurant at a very unique time. Go ahead and walk us through that and what happened in that time and how you were able to get back to the community. This is a crazy story about invasion. So we were supposed to open March 17th. The city shut down the 16th. I'll never forget, we are in a meeting with the employees and I remember seeing on the screen, and to this day that TV is not allowed. To and you're be. talking about March March 2020. 20, March 2020. So, yeah, so that TV's never allowed to be on regular <laughs> TV. You're just food pictures now. But I remember seeing it, sending everybody home and talking to the, the partners I had at the time. And they were just like, basically everybody was like, that's it. Yeah. They're done. And in my head, I'm like, no, I've been in this building. Because it was an old building. I mean, you should see the building before we transformed it it was jail bars on it it was just holes in the ceiling it was terrible yeah. and it was so i was like man i've worked too hard to just prepping quit. to open up that yeah business. so i looked at them and i told them if i die here i die this covid man get me <laughs> it get me because i'm not stopping well you know when you usually open up a restaurant you want to do a soft opening so you have more food than you need yeah because you're giving a lot away yeah. to let people taste the flavor get them hooked so Basically, showed up the next day. My old business partner, he showed up too, and we were there, and we opened up, and was ready to serve food, and um, I was going to give some of the extra food to the front line, mm-hmm. but then this lady reached out to me on Instagram and was like, you need to see what they're doing to the homeless. I'm like, okay, and she connected me with this guy named Stormy, and was like, he educated me and showed me, and at that time, I mean, I was just... I was actually just sad. I was like, I can't believe that this is yeah. happening. And people have a perception, a bad perception of homeless. They think, mm-hmm. oh, they're on drugs, they're on side mm-hmm. of the road. But especially in Dallas, there's a lot of people who are living check to check or mm-hmm. who work for the government yeah. who are homeless. Yeah. And, you know, during the pandemic, they had that shutdown rule. You know, um, they had the curfew was like 6 o'clock. Well, people still had to go to work. Right. And they were putting a lot of the homeless community to the convention center. Well, if you didn't make it there by three or four o'clock, which mm-hmm. most people get off at five or six o'clock, mm-hmm. you weren't able to get spot. in. Yeah. So what they're doing was taking those people who were actually working and trying to get off the streets right. and putting them in front of the library and they had these cages up and three porta bodies. 
Wow. So it was, I just felt the need we need to step in yeah. and give them, not only give them good food. And when we give meals away, we're not giving away like a turkey sandwich. We're giving yeah. away like chicken sandwich, Brussels sprouts, shrimp, you know, fried yeah. rice, like good food. Um, so just felt the need to step in and start giving meals out, two to 300 meals a week. And then when we ran out of food. I was like, all right, <laughs> we need to figure something out because we weren't making any money. Right. The goal was just to stay open and figure it out. Yeah. Build the plane as you fly. And were you serving to any actual customers at this point? Oh, yeah, we had a few customers come Yeah, because they knew we were open, people who were able to leave, but a lot of people were scared to leave their house right? because of it. So we had a few customers. It wasn't like anything crazy. Yeah. And then I came up with the thing like, hey, you buy a chicken sandwich, we're going to give a chicken sandwich. This is what we're doing in the community. And I started telling people what was going on. Mm-hmm. So the community of Dallas came together. They People started coming in. They're doing buying the sandwiches so we can give one and... That just carried on for yeah. a couple of months. And then this lady from the Dallas Morning News ended up writing an article. And she was like, before they made money, they were giving meals. And at this time, we had been giving meals for almost, I feel like almost six months. Yeah. And then that article just made us just take off. It was just like, boom. And I was on like, Good Morning America, Good Morning, or the Today Show that was in Chicago and all these different shows. Yeah. All the local Dallas shows. and. That's kind of what happened, and uh, we're about at a little bit over 80,000 meals now. That's crazy. So In the I, course of three years, not even three years? Uh, three years, and I ended up, that helped me create a relationship with the Human Impact, Yeah. and I'm on the board of the Human Impact now, but even with them, once a month, we do a thing called Come to the Table, and it's basically where we call them our friends, the homeless community. Mm-hmm. They come, uh, we have volunteers come, we usually partner with like a school. And we do this huge event for them. And like this past week, it was Halloween thing. The week, the, I mean, the month before was uh, up like a backyard, like grill out thing. We did like sliders and other stuff like that. Um, so we go, you know, just give as much as we can. And my belief is we need more good in this world and yeah. be the change you want to see in the world. And you know, you put good out there, you're going to get it back 10 times. Absolutely. So so are you guys still outside of the Human Impact Project? Are you guys still giving to homeless, like, on a regular basis? Or how does that how does that work? Are you just a full-service restaurant now with the profitability aspect in mind? Um, no, we're still – well, that's the thing. We never – we're always still running, like, a full restaurant. Yeah. That never stopped. I mean – as far as like the giving to the community and the meals, am I going out there personally handing out the meals like I was? No. Yeah. Um, just due to time, um, and the human impact did a good job of stepping in mm-hmm. and um, one educating me on how to communicate and handle uh, our friends. Yeah. Um, when it comes to like the homeless community, you know they don't they. A lot of people that give money, you know, or they're giving food, and then they're like mm-hmm. going, like they don't want your food, they don't want your money, they want you to know their name. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. So what they do is they kind of they pull up to hand out the meals and stuff, or give them money, and they just kind of like give it to them and like drive off. Right. And kind of treat them like they're a disease. Right. Like, oh, let me give you this. Right. Nobody actually sits down and is like, hey. 
what's your name? Right. My name is this. And this one guy I never forget, we're sitting down talking about it, and I'm like, you know, like, educate me. Like, show me or teach me and tell me, you know, like, why? Yeah. And he was kind of saying, it. he was just like, yo, these people come, they give us this, they give us that, but they don't say anything to us. Yeah. He goes, we just want to feel human, too. Right. We're all still wow. humans. And, I mean, that stuck with me. I was like, dang. And now... When I see people out there just trying to give and do this, it's like it's more than just giving. Yeah. You want to make these people feel love. Right. That's why I like I love the human impact. They do that come to the table because we're able to sit down with the, you know, with our friends and get to hear their story. Mm-hmm. And some of the best, like wisdom, not the best, but it's in the top. Right. I've gotten was from people who have been homeless. Yeah. Because they live life. Just because you see them homeless doesn't mean they're like a bad person. Right. Everybody has our story, their own story, you know, their own journey in life. And you can always learn something from anybody. Yeah. So, and they can also teach you to make sure you never get into what happened to them. Yeah. So, you know, when you, if you are out there giving out food or giving money, ask them, ask them their name. Try to actually have a conversation with them instead of just giving and going, you know. To try to make yourself feel better. Yeah. You know, like, get to know them because they want to feel human as well. Yeah. And now, like, all our tips. So, we pay our cashiers a good hourly rate. Instead yeah. Of, like, you know, normally, like, your service cashiers make, like, $4 to right. $15 an hour plus tips. Right. We just, we automatically start them off at, like, 14 If they're good, they get more. Yeah. And all our tips go to an account to where, like, this last ice storm that we had. We basically were able to give meals out, partner with different people, and do stuff, put people in hotels, et cetera, et cetera. So That's we kind of awesome. keep a reserve. I know this woman's shelter, the roof collapsed. Mm-hmm. You know, they mm-hmm. had to go to some secret location, and we got them food. So we kind of just awesome. give wherever the need is now. Yeah. It's not just giving to the homeless community. It's like wherever the city needs help. Yeah. And we can help, we'll help. Like when it was hot this summer, we gave away pallets of water. Yeah. So just wherever we can, you know, somebody reaches out, people know now. Like, hey, just call this place. You know, we're able to do it, we'll do it. Yeah, I love that. What do you think your success would have been if you hadn't stepped in and had a heart of service from the get-go? Where do you think it would be today? Do you think it would be? would have been change the trajectory for your success? Do you think it would have been different? Do you think it would have been further ahead financially? What do you think would have happened? Um, well, the pandemic wouldn't happen either. Or just, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that we wouldn't have the same success that we had. One, I don't think we've been continuously blessed, mm-hmm. like we've been blessed, if we yeah. wouldn't have helped all those people. Yeah. Um, even... Like, I never planned on, like, oh, let's do these meals because we're going to be put on all these different news right. platforms. Yeah. I never thought that. The fact that it was happening was almost at the time, was, like, almost overwhelming. It was just right. like, man, all this is happening. And just, like, it almost made me uh, pull back. I had to do, like, it was like a heart check. Like, yeah. Because, you know, the, you got the naysayers and people who are like, oh, he's only doing that to get the attention. No, mm-hmm. we had been doing it for, like, Almost six months. Before even anyone knew about it. Before anybody knew about yeah. it. Um, so, I don't think the six, I think, do I think we would have been successful? Because the flavor of the food, 
the hard work that's put in, yes, but I think it just would have looked different. Yeah. Probably would have took a little bit more time, but definitely if we wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't be where we're at right now. Yeah. Does your business partner have the same mentality with servantship and giving back and philanthropy as you do, or do you guys not um, see eye to eye on that? Well, they're no longer my business partners. Okay. Um, well, when uh, you had business partners <laughs> at the beginning, correct? Yeah, it's just me running invasions now. Okay. Um, but I will say this on a good note for them. Uh, they are kind-hearted people. Yeah. Um, at their other restaurant, they do, like, Thanksgiving, Christmas, they do give back. Um, my partner, yeah, he definitely, he has, they, they have the heart for it. They, yeah. They, they're good-hearted people, so. Well, that's good. I could see that that would be, could be an issue. Like, if one of you wanted to do these acts of service and the other one's like, no. We need to make profit right now. We just opened up, which is very practical. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that you guys were able to do that together at that time and make that decision. I'm curious. Obviously, the climate's been different even this year alone. Um, what are some of your top customer service strengths? And not just within giving back, but what you actually do for your employees, for your customers, what are some well, what are some things that you would say that are some of your top customer service strengths? Well, if you look at our reviews, except the bad ones about me, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got basically five stars yeah. across the board. Um, right. And I'm not talking a couple hundred reviews. We got thousands of reviews. Um, like I said, my background is in fine dining. So when you come to Invasion, you know, the whole point, Originally, it was like, oh, look like a hole in the wall. You come there, should I eat there? And then you come in, yeah. like, dang, the food's fire. Um, but we also didn't want the food to be fire. We wanted the service to also be really yeah. good. So you're getting that five-star service yeah. and invasion. And even though you're ordering from a counter or you order from your table, we're coming on you. I have a rule called 22. Two minutes. Two, well, it's two bites, two minutes. Within two bites, you'll know if the customer needs anything. Hmm. Like, they need, like, a napkin or forks or silverware or yeah. you forgot to give them something, um, you know that. And then in two minutes, you'll know if they're enjoying their food or they like it. Yeah. So, I'm really big on Rule 22. If you ever come to a restaurant and you hear me yell 22, that means a guest hasn't been properly checked on. So, um, from that Is that, a, like, an industry standard code or is that something that you came up with? Yeah, I've never heard it before. Okay. And, if, you know, I think I originated that. Yeah. And, I could be wrong, uh, but I've never heard from anybody. I just, yeah. that just, I'm an analytics guy too. Yeah. So I think, you know, from a logical standpoint, mm -hmm. you will always give perfect service with their rule 22. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, I can attest to that. You do do a really good job about giving customer service and having that fine dining feel in a fast service restaurant. Yeah. So. Um, have you, with with that being said, have you had a hard time finding people that you've hired that have carried out that same passion and mission and uh, act of caring for others? In today's world. <laughs> mm -hmm. No, I'm, I mean, um, that's truthful. Like, everyone wants, everyone's lazy. Nobody, everyone wants instant gratification, like themselves. Like, there's so many different attributes that could play into having that be a difficult thing to find and align your yeah. employees with. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's very hard to find. Um, mm-hmm. Good help is hard to find. And that was before the pandemic, but post-pandemic, I mean, it's yeah. damn near impossible. Yeah. It's like, it's really hard to find people that care. Even the people that do care, it's hard for them to stay in that caring mindset. Yeah. So um, I will say, like, Open Innovations has challenged me in ways that I never thought I'd been challenged before. Yeah. And it has helped me grow. Grow. Yeah. Um, as a leader and I'm continuing to grow, trying to grow because I'm trying to figure out like, what am I doing wrong? Right. Even though the world is everybody, it doesn't matter what industry, right. in, it's hard to find employees, good employees. Um, it just helped me grow. And I've just tried to find different ways to like lead the team. And yeah. one thing I preach to the team is you got to understand, well, the why, right? Mm-hmm. So we do appreciate before in the morning and in the afternoon, they kind of remind them like the why, the reason why we're doing this. Like invasions is bigger than me. Yeah. It's bigger than them. You know, every time we serve a meal, you know, that's going to like help in the community. Mm-hmm. And that's our why behind what we do it. Right. And then the other thing is when the customers come in, you have to understand like, yeah, my name, or my signature and invasion name might be on the check. Yeah. But I'm not paying you. Yeah. The customer's paying you. Yeah. So from the front of the house, you know, like, make sure. Like, I got a big thing. I don't care where you're at in the restaurant. You right. can be in the bathroom. You can be in the back. When you hear that bell ring. Yeah. Somebody's coming in. You yell, welcome in. Yeah. Right? So that initial greeting, making feel, people feel welcome. Like, you yeah. want them there. We do want them there. Because yeah. y'all want them there. Because yeah. they're going to pay for your paycheck. Right. Make sure you give them the proper service, you know, making sure each dish comes out the right way. Because every time we mess up a dish, we don't make a guest feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Or we do something bad towards the guest, you're taking away money out of your check. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be fine. Right. You know, you're taking out money from your check, yeah. you know, and the more customers you disappoint, the more meal, you know, food you send out wrong, that's less money that's coming Towards your paycheck. Yeah. And therefore, it is be a decision I'm going to have to make. Right. Do I keep you? Yeah. You know, or yeah. let you go? So, yeah. kind of just preach that, preach the why, and try to get them to understand, like, hey, I'm not trying to be difficult. I'm doing this because it's all about the guests. Mm-hmm. Every time I tell you to do something, it's not because, oh, I'm like this way. It's yeah. like, no, it's because of the guests. Yeah. And this is the expectation that they expect when they come here. And the level of service that we want to give. Yeah. So, what are the things that you've done to be able to keep those employees that maybe do embody some of that agility, customer service? Uh, how do you keep those ones around? Like, how do you empower them to become better, to step up their game, to be completely fulfilled in that space? Um, you did say that you started at a high pay grade compared to most restaurants. Um, or is there anything else that you do? I'm a, with this new generation now, <laughs> this new mindset of the world or America, um, <laughs> it, it doesn't matter the money. It doesn't matter the why. It doesn't matter anything. People nowadays are just, the world, people are seeing things differently. Yeah. Um, and I've tried everything. And at the end of the day, it's more of now... I'm learning to kind of 
when you're interviewing, you kind of got to get personable. What I do is yeah. throw a couple, you know, I do standard interview questions. But then I start going to their life. Mm-hmm. Hey, what is your goals in life? What do mm-hmm. you want to do? In the dream world, you know, in the perfect world, what would you want? Yeah. And then you start to hear the real them. Yeah. Play cool, you know. Say, you know, make it seem like I'm just a cool boss. Right. And then you start hearing, the, you start getting the true self. Yeah. And you start hearing, you start noting, like, all right, this employee's going to be around for like a month. Right. Or this employee's going to be here. And then kind of looking at their employee history, like, have they stayed anywhere for over six months? Yeah. Um, I will say this, what I'm learning is my best employees, because, I mean, we, until the end of last year, mm-hmm. we kept our employees at least two to three years, because we're about to be a year four years. So, yeah. And some of my best managers were, this girl was 19 years old. Yeah. If she wouldn't have had a baby, she'd probably still be there. Yeah. Um, but she was 19, she was young, she was hungry. What I'm noticing is some of these younger kids who are hungry, Mm -hmm. who want to make a name for themselves, they're coming out here. Yeah. But as soon as you start getting to like your 24, 25. Yeah. Not worth anything. I mean, that sounds bad, but it's just like, like right now, and my staff is listening, I'm sorry, but I I probably told them this to their face already, but (laughs) it's just like, I have a bunch of people who are older than me. Yeah. And they are, I'm grateful that they're showing up. But as far as like effort or doing anything, yeah, just none there. And like people get on like the McDonald's of the world and all these other places of why they do, you know, all the chemicals in their food and meat that doesn't burn and mm-hmm. do all these other things. Well, the reason why is they're doing it like that because you have to make it bulletproof and dummy proof. So if a person doesn't care, they can just come in there, you know, and just mm-hmm. somehow get the food out. And I understand that now. I understand why they do it like that. And it's like, you just got to make everything kind of like bulletproof and simplify it. And because right now, I mean, that's why we're in the day and age of robots. Right. Like at the end of the day, the robot is always going to show up. They're going to be on time. Yeah. They're not going to call in on you. (laughs) Yeah. And they're going to make the food perfect every time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've been looking into actually when we get this other building, we will have a robot fryer. Other buildings. So are you referencing that there is another concept on the way or an invasion too? Um, well, this building that we're in currently is just old. Okay. I mean, it was built in like 1920. Yeah. Having too many problems, especially after this heat pass, like the yeah. wind was cracking. And yeah. So, definitely so just moving that. location. Moving that one, but also about to do one in North Dallas. Okay. But been preparing the franchise. So we did a close the contract with the airport, DFW Airport. Oh, wow. And like last November, it says it's going to take about three to five years before it like gets going because right now they're doing, they're redoing DFW. Yeah. Um, we're going to be in the international terminal. So okay. Just waiting to hear back Emerald from that. D. So we're, where all the good food's at. So you uh, fit right in. <laughs> there you go. Boom. And uh, working on franchise paperwork. Okay. Uh, we got about seven franchisees that are interested, so we'll see how that goes. But That's franchising awesome. is 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 it's a lot. Yeah, just say it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot of paperwork, a lot of decisions you have to make as right. far as how you want it done. Um, it's just a lot. So working on that, um, I think eventually I'm gonna start looking for partners because right now it's just me by myself. And yeah. 
kind of just take away some of that uh, stress is not the right word, but just workload. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, that's awesome, though. I mean, uh, opening up in DFW, I mean, that will get so much exposure and having so many more people to be able to enjoy yeah. the meals that you've created. Uh, outside of that, is there anything else that's brewing with maybe even you or personally some of your fashion stuff that people don't know about? Uh, I would say be on the lookout. Be on the lookout. Um, well, from an invasion standpoint, we got the franchise and stuff coming, yeah. so we got to get ready from a corporate level. So all our we do everything in-house, our seasoned sauces, but now we do franchises. You got to get a manufacturer to do that to mm-hmm. make sure you're able to produce. So our seasoned sauces... I guess to be coming out with my chef line of season and okay. sauces to be coming out. Um, and our spinoff brands like Invasion Treats or like just desserts yeah. and invasions coming. Um, as far as me, um, just the whole kind of rebranding, kind of letting people know everything I do Yeah. as far as like, you know, creative business consulting, you mm-hmm. know, people don't know about my fashion life, mm-hmm. about, you know, Dabbling in that, and I got that brand coming out. It's one is actually called One Love, One Gift. It's two companies, and it's one. It's One Love, One Gift, One Gift, One Love. What it is is just customized piece, you know, uh, customized clothes, you know, it's for that you know, loved one, and you're giving them a gift. And then with the proceeds from that, we're actually going to give to, like, somebody and not, like the homeless community, but like say yeah. that young man who lives in like a lower income area mm-hmm. really wants to go to prom, but doesn't have the money yeah. to really go. So we're going to come in and we're going to get him fresh from prom. That's awesome. So um, that's working and just a bunch of little things, you know, the artistic side. I'm about to start rebuilding some of my paintings <laughs> that oh. I'm doing and stuff like that. So just kind of, here in 2024, getting the full, I guess, Eric exposed. Because, yeah. you know, I just, I kind of put my head down and just work, 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 work. And yeah. never really just show what I do and just let people kind of paint their own picture of what they think I do. You know, like, you know, people don't ever know about, like, I guess the culinary side is taking over so much, people forget about the bodybuilding days. Right. The fitness days. Right. right? And... Even from, like, the artistic, creative side, that's always been a part of me. But now it's just like, here you go, people. Yeah. Here, here, here's everything I do. And the reason why I never really just shared everything I did, I feel like people can't conceptualize, like, I had this thing called, you know, I always live outside the box. Mm-hmm. And I don't need doubters or people in my life, you know. I need, I'm a dreamer, right? Yeah. I dream big. So, yeah. And, I have the evidence to back it up. Everything I said I was going to do, right. I'm doing it. Um, and when you start telling people everything you do, they start shutting it down. Or they're just like, how can you manage all that? Yeah. Or how can you do this? Or, you know, and it's just, I just, I, I don't think I was uh, mentally ready to hear all that. And sometimes, you know, you got to just duck off, mm-hmm. you know, let God build you up. Yeah. And then go out there. And do what you got to do. Yeah. Because, I mean, you think about the most successful people in the world, they're all doing like eight different things. Right. Or my favorite thing is like people always say, the jack of all trades is a master of one. Well, yeah. that's, the, that's the American quote. 
what's the real fool quote yeah. to that? You know, a yeah. jack of all trades is a master of none, but still a math, uh, but still better than a master of one. Mm-hmm. People don't even know that full quote. Mm-hmm. They just go off of that. So that's awesome. Yeah, you definitely have a lot of ground room that you're covering with a lot of different aspects. But I'm very excited to see how all of this is going to play out, and wish you nothing but success on that. Uh, our last guest left you a question. Okay. And if you don't mind opening the jar and pulling out, I believe it's a blue slip of paper, and answering that question to the best of your ability. All righty. Are you nervous? Yeah, I mean, you don't know. <laughs> All right. Do you believe technology is used more for good or evil? Dun, 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 dun. Oh. Mm, <laughs> um, I was talking about robots in the restaurant industry. Well, man, that is a deep question. And... I feel like we need another podcast to really dive into that. Um, but right now in the current state, I think that it depends on what side you're on. Mm-hmm. Like, are you the employee or are you the owner? Yeah. So I'm going to speak from the owner standpoint first. Uh, it's good. Yeah. Because now you have something that is reliable, efficient. Yeah. And making sure the job gets done. And with this day and age of people not wanting to work, everybody want to be their boss. Everybody want to go start their own thing. No, it's hard to find chefs because every chef wants to be that Instagram chef. Yeah. And nobody really wants to put in the, the true work. Like with me, I work for free. I, that's how I got in. I yeah. learned. Even when I was doing those dinners, I wasn't making any money. I was losing money. Yeah. You know, I was getting these local sponsors trying to just get enough to where I, I didn't go broke or right. get evicted. You know? right. So, I mean, those are some <laughs> troubling times that nobody wants to put in that work. So, I think technology, originally, it was used to just help aid the current employees. Mm-hmm. But now, I think it is good from multiple standpoints. From, a, I guess, customer standpoint, people want stuff done right away. Right. So now it's like, oh, technology, now you can order from your table. Mm-hmm. You know, now you can have the food ready before you get there. Now you can do Apple Pay, you know, like, yeah. or from your phone, you don't have to go look for your cards and do all this other stuff. You can just pay from your phone. Like, yeah. oh, you got Apple Pay? Scan this you know, QR code and like, boom. So I think it's good in that aspect as far as functionality, right? dependency, stuff like that. Um. But looking at the other side, I guess from an employee standpoint, yeah, it might look bad, but mm-hmm. originally these things were being built to help you. Yeah. But you decided to be lazy. You decided not to show up for work. You decided not to be consistent. So is it really bad? Yeah. You know, so it's like a, you need to look yourself in the mirror. Yeah. All these people complaining, oh, robots this, robots that. But it's a reason why. Mm-hmm. The robots and technology wouldn't be where it's at and doing these things if it wasn't for the human flaws. Yeah. So, I mean, it sucks. But at the same time, business thinking is like it's good. Like, yeah. I tell people now, 
when you go to a place and there's a person there, be grateful. Be genuine and nice to your server. Yeah. Because soon, five to ten years, there will be no human contact. Mm-hmm. If you want a server, mm-hmm. you're probably about to be paying a thousand dollars for your dinner. Because that's how much it's going to cost to even get, you know, like, to get people to actually go serve people. Right. People, not our generation, but, like, I don't know. I don't know what generation we're on, but that generation that's coming up. Yeah. They don't like human interaction. They'd rather speak through the phone. Like, they don't right. like calling. Right. It's just like they want to text. Yeah. So they prefer that. And I think that is the future of just like the food industry. It's like now you're going to go, you're going to order from a place, you're going to order from a screen. You're going to maybe even have a robot bring your food out. Right. And you're not going to have that human interaction, which I think is going to cause a lot of problems down the road mm-hmm. from a mental health standpoint. But, uh, yeah, just be grateful for that. So I think uh, I think it's good. But, you know, uh, yeah, I definitely don't think it's evil. Yeah, I just think that it has to happen because of what's going on. And right. unless people... Unless we have somebody, something happen to where it zaps people back. Yeah. It, we're headed down this road, and the people who are making these things and running the world, they're okay with it because it was kind of the plan all along. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. I do have one quick question. What, what advice would you give to someone that is a desiring chef um, or an entrepreneur that wants to start a company, whether it's a restaurant or not? What advice do you have for them? Um, the first thing that comes to mind is you got to create your own success. Yeah. Especially if you're in America. Mm-hmm. We are the land of the free, right? Come here and you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. No matter your race, no matter your sex, you know, you can come to America and create your own path. Um and that's why I try to tell a lot of people they, you know, they make a lot of excuses. Oh, I don't have the finances. I don't have mm-hmm. this. I didn't have that. Mm-hmm. I had bad credit at the time. Yeah. Criminal record. Yeah. Been in trouble. Did this. Did that. Wasn't as educated. But guess what? You got YouTube University, <laughs> university and you have everything yeah. you need. There's no excuse for a person not to be successful or not be great. Yeah. If you're not, it's your fault. And you need to look yourself in the mirror and realize that. But, you know, um, like an upcoming chef, go create your success, man. Yeah. Go find a building. Go rent it out. Host a dinner. Mm-hmm. You might not, you can't charge people at the beginning. Jab, jab, punch. That stuff's been talked about for centuries, right? Win the people over, then you come punch them, right? Yeah. So, you just got to go create your own success. Any type of business. I know, I mean, that sounds easy for, like, the food industry, but it's just, I mean, there's always a way. You just got to figure out which way there is and don't stop until you figure it out. Don't let anything stop you. Nothing can stop you. No person, no anything. I mean, keep it legal. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know. I love it. Just, just, do it. just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Put your head down and just focus and get to work because people want the simple solution. There really is no simple solution to get that success. You just got to so, work hard and don't worry about the likes and it's I feel like social media has messed a lot of people up. Mm-hmm. And people don't understand the real purpose of social media. Yeah. 
they think it's, oh, show off, drama, this, that. Now, social media was a business. It was a business plan from the mm-hmm. beginning. Go read Facebook, Instagram. Go read all their uh, mission yeah. statements, right? Yeah. The whole plan was to make money, advertise. So you should be using, me personally, I think you should use your social media for profit. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're not in the business, you're doing that, you want to post your regular life, go ahead and do that. But those people out there that's trying to get it, understand what social media is for yeah. and use it to its benefits and yeah. not for clout yeah. or to get attention. Yeah. Because if you're working hard, you're putting out a good product, yeah. the attention will come. Yeah. I could not agree more. Well, with that being said, um, go ahead and tell people where they can find you at, how they can get in touch with you. Maybe they want to come work for you, gain some insight underneath, or maybe they want to come volunteer um, at one of the projects that you have going on. Where can people find you at? Um, well, you can follow me on Instagram. It's Eric Oval, but my name's spelled different. So it's A-I-R-R-I-C-O-F-A-L-L. And then if you want to email me, you can email me at my first name, Eric, A-I-R-R-I-C, at ericoval.com. Um, or, you know, go leave a message on your page. you want to come work under me as a chef, one of my goals in life is to make 10 millionaires. So if you want to have your own invasions or be a part of the next journey, you know, contact me, hit me up. Or if you have any questions, I'm always here to help, you know. Uh, as far as, like, volunteering for any well, the events we do, well, the Human Impact, you can check out their website, the Human Impact, or follow them on Instagram. We actually have an event coming up November 12th. Uh, no, November 11th. It's a Saturday. Saturday. It's our Friendsgiving for the community. So we're always looking for volunteers. It's at Lofty Spaces. Well, thank you so much again for sitting down and sharing your journey, being an inspiration for those in the next generation to come. So thank you for joining the Electric Theory Podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It was another good day. We had another good day. And if you line up enough good days, fuck around and have a good life.